Let's, uh, we're still making our way through John 17 as we think about the heart of Jesus for his people. What a, what a passage that we have before us. I'm going to read verses 11 through 19, and then we'll comment on those verses tonight. We already looked at verse 11 last time. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that's Judas Iscariot, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Well, as we mentioned last time, Jesus here is, as he's praying for his, his people, praying for his uh, disciples, he's praying for the, the twelve, but then he goes on to say, I'm not just praying for them, I'm praying for all those who will come to believe in my name. So he's praying for us here. What a blessing that Jesus Christ prays for his people. A powerful prayer based upon what he has won for us. And we're thinking tonight about um, what specifically he is praying for in this passage. And you may have noticed a word that kept recurring throughout what I just read. It's the word kept or keep. Keep them. That, that I have kept them in thy name. So please continue to keep them. It's the idea of guarding or protecting. And so just neat in, in God's providence that this, this topic tonight follows from last Sunday. Because um, in last Sunday, we saw how that Jesus is the great protector of his people. His, one of his primary roles in John 10 is that I am the shepherd who comes to protect his people. And so the, the idea of keeping and protection is very, very, very central to the heart of Jesus for you. Jesus is intent on your being kept, your being preserved, your being kept out of danger. And so what we have here tonight, as we see Jesus talking to the Father about this very subject, is we have, um, as, uh, so Sunday was Jesus protects, and he is fierce in his protection. He stands between, and he gives his life. But tonight we're going to see how Jesus sees, really, Jesus' strategy for your protection. How are we to be kept? How are we kept safe? So let's think about this tonight for a few minutes, and let's move sort of quickly through these verses. Verse 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I'm leaving, but they're having to stay. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So a couple of things in this verse. Father, keep through thine own name. Keep through thine own name. Now, 
I was checking John Gill on this and others because I thought, okay, what does that mean? What does it mean that he's going to keep us through his name? And part of that reality is that because the name of God uh, is, has been staked on our protection, he's got to keep us, right? He will keep us because he has committed his name to us. There's also the idea here of something in his name, something in him and in his name that, um, that protects us and keeps us. And so the idea is, is our drawing close to God, our, 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 our union with God, our drawing close to God, our communion with God. Now, Brother Zach's preached about this a lot, hasn't he? Remember the passage from Hosea that he preaches from pretty often to, to take with you words? Um, and oftentimes he'll do that and he'll take the words of the name of God, right? Jehovah's name, Jehovah Nissi, and Jehovah, uh, I, I can't do, do them all right now, but Jehovah um, uh, uh, Jireh, and Jehovah, you can probably come up with a lot right now, um, but Shalom, and Sabaoth, and there's just a number of ways that God's name is declared to us. And so the idea is that we are, we're running to his name, we're running to God, we are being kept as we are running to God. So as we think about these things, I also want you to think about the opposite, okay? So you are never more safe than when you're running to God, than when you're running to His name, than when you're drawing near to Him. You're thinking of Him. It's the knowledge of God and the doctrine of God. Um, a couple of days ago, I was just uh, looking through some old notes of some uh, Bible studies that we did at Ripley a long time ago and, and just stopped for a l- little bit and, and read the notes on the wisdom of God. And that made me want to come preach it you know, right away here. But, but th- th- God is this God who, who never, ever, ever lacks in wisdom. Every ounce of wisdom that has ever been displayed by humanity in this earth comes from Him. By wisdom, He made the world. By wisdom, He, um, he keeps us in His care. By wisdom, our, our, our times are in his hands. By wisdom, the world is held together. And, and if you begin to, f- to think about that for a while, it causes not just your mind to activate, but it causes your heart to draw near to God and saying, Lord, you're wonderful, and I need you, and I trust you. I trust that an all-wise God knows what he's doing. Well, if, if you're not drawing near to that and you're just experiencing a life as it occurs, what usually occurs? What usually occurs is, is that our hearts draw away in either disobedience or doubt or fear, right? So the opposite of drawing near to God is drawing away from God. And so I'll just say this, you are never less protected than when you are not drawing near to God. Okay? So keep through that own name. Now here's the second, second thing, and we're going to talk about this more next time. This is sort of a goal, but this is also how we're kept. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus sees, Jesus sees, um, the, 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 the goal of Jesus is to bring us to oneness. And what that really means is, is that we resemble the Trinity. <laughs> the, the, the affection, the commitment, the love, the devotion, uh, the truth that is contained in the triune God that is just unfathomable to us. 
That's the goal that Jesus has for us. And one day, as we're going to see next time, one day that will be complete and will be completely done. But, but, but So it's not like one in personality or one in opinion or one in even understanding everything, but it's a, it's a oneness of love for Christ, a oneness of faith in Christ and trust in Christ. So this is oneness that draws us together. So again, you are never more kept, you're never more guarded than when there is oneness in your relationships. And you're never less safe than when there is fracturing in your relationships. That's just true. That's true in a family. That's true in um, uh, you know, a, a workplace. It's true in a church. It's true in life. You're never safer than when there is oneness. And so run towards oneness, right? True oneness, which is in Christ. And then be wary when there is fracturing in relationships. All right, verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none um, none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So the 12 is sort of the same idea as 11. In fact, that's how we, we see that... Um, that Jesus kept his disciples through the name of God. How did he do that? He taught them about God. He re- remember, he says, he, he said, earlier he says, I have shown them everything that you have shown me. I've opened up God to them. And so Jesus says, this is how I kept them. The, they, they were never safer than when they were with Jesus, and Jesus was teaching them about the Father. Okay? Now verse 13. And now come I to thee, And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is an amazing verse. So Jesus said, I have spoken these things in the world. I have spoken these things in the open. What things is Jesus talking about? And the answer to that, I believe, is this. Jesus is talking about John 17. And more, but John 17. Jesus is saying, you know, God God inspired the scriptures, right? We don't have recorded all the words of Jesus. But we have recorded some words of Jesus. And the words of Jesus that we have recorded are, are, are enough and essential for our growth. So John 17, he said, I am saying these things. I'm praying this prayer in the world for this purpose that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Think about that. Is there any greater joy than to know that Jesus Christ is praying for you? Is there any greater joy than to know that Jesus Christ, as he said many times, has not said one negative thing about you in this passage. Is there any greater joy than to know that Jesus is asking for glory so that he can share that glory with you? Is there any greater joy than to know that Jesus here is promising to give to you eternal life? Is that amazing? There's no greater joy than that. And guess what? Nehemiah said it. The joy of the Lord, help me out, the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
strength. So you are never safer than when you're filled with joy. Okay? I don't mean just happiness, but you're never safer. Joy, joy is almost like just a, 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 a it's close to peace. It's almost a, 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 an assurance, this settledness that produces praise, Right? So it comes out as praise. It comes out as, 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 as confidence, as a, a positive view of life. It's what joy is. It's not necessarily giddiness or happiness, but it's a positivity to joy. And where does this joy come from? It comes from Jesus' words, his heart, his intentions. Is it important for you to be familiar with Jesus' words? Are you going to find joy anywhere else? No, the joy of our salvation, that's what David prayed for. Lord, restore unto me, I'm in sin, I need to repent. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Then I'll be able to teach transgressions that way. So you're never safer, you're never more kept than when you are in joy. And you're never, you're never in greater danger than when you are in whatever the opposite of joy is. Whether that's complaint or despair or distress or just moroseness, you're never, be careful, you're never in in greater danger than when you are in the opposite of joy. Okay? This is how Jesus plans to keep you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is not guarding us, friends, with with fences and and guns. That's not how he guards us. In fact, he's going to say in a minute, uh, you know, they're going to suffer some. But, But he's guarding you in your heart. So let me ask you right now, do you have joy? And if not, why not? not I, don't mean, I don't mean answer me right now. I just mean there's a reason for it. There's, a, there's always a reason there's lacking of joy. Joy is found in the words of Christ, in the, in, in the, in the work of Christ. Okay? Number f- the next one is uh, verses 14 and 16. We'll kind of jump over verse 15 for a minute. I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now this doesn't seem on the surface like a very safe thing, is it? He's asking for us to be kept, and he's admitting they hate them. The world hates them, because they're with me, and they're not of the world. But if you look closer, think about this more closely... There is no greater protection than not being, uh, as, as my, in the, my margin, I love how they, they just use this word. Let me, let me read it, make sure I get it right. Um, unworldliness. <laughs> unworldliness. There is no greater protection than being unworldly. Uh, out of this world. There is no greater protection than realizing I don't belong here. I don't belong to this vain philosophy. I don't belong to the wisdom of the day. I don't belong to the pursuits of the day. I don't belong to the, to the thirst of the world. I don't belong to, the, to the, material, the material pursuits. I don't belong to any of this. I am not of this world. There's a great blessing, a great protection in realizing that I am not like the rest of the world because Jesus has purchased me and I am with him. And so even though it adds hatred, it also adds protection. 
And there is no greater danger than thinking, I'm like the world. No greater danger. Jesus says, don't love, I mean, uh, John says, don't love the world. Because the love of the Father is not there. Do you hear that? Don't love the world because, in the speaking of the world without Christ, because the world isn't being blessed by, touched by, kept by the love of the Father. Instead, run to where the love of the Father is. And the love of the Father is being poured out upon Christ. And he says, I am not of the world, so they are not of the world because they're with me. Friends, that's where protection is. There's no great protection. All right. Next is verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Isn't that strange? I pray not. It's a, a tough place. But I'm not praying that they would be taken out of the world. Why? Because Christ is praying for our sanctification. Part of being kept is being made more like Christ. So I pray not. Isn't that a conundrum sometimes in your mind? Well, Lord, why are you leaving me here? Why don't, why don't you just come and make all things new, make all things right? And he will one day. But right now, think about that. Right now, it is not best for you that this city is not in a better condition. You ever think about that? Right now, it is not best for you that will be cured of his cancer. Right now, it is not best for you. I'm just going to say it. That Joe Biden not be president of the United States. And you can go on and on and on. Now, that's not a fatalistic thing. That's not saying we don't work to make things better and wherever we can. We don't pray for healing, pray for good leaders, and work for all those things. But right now, it's not best for you to be out of the world. What is best for you, this is, what he's, this is what he's doing, is that you would be kept from the evil. That doesn't mean that you might not lose your life. Jesus lost his life. But when Jesus lost his life, did he succumb to the evil? Or did the good win? If they, first Corinthians 2, if they had known what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. So if it is true, or if it happens, that you lose your life, guess what? You are immediately in the presence of Jesus Christ with your sins washed away and your sin nature removed forever, basking in glory. So you, better, you best believe it. You will be kept from the evil. The, what evil is talking about? The, 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 the evil that rules this world. The prince of the power of the air. I don't mean rules ultimately. I mean rules the, the, world, the, the world's thinking. Okay? That's a powerful being. You can't beat him by yourself. But he is no threat to you. Because Jesus is keeping you. Incredible, isn't it? Kept by preservation from evil. 
Next, verse 17. Sanctify them through that truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. So Jesus, after more than just you being scraping by, I just want want them to survive. (laughs) I just want them to sort of just get by. That's not it, friends. Jesus wants more than you just getting by. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus wants you to be sanctified. Sanctified is the china that you pull out when you're having your very best meal for your very best guest. Sanctified is that special uh, vacation that you get to do once in a lifetime that you'll always remember. Sanctified is, is the best of whatever. It's different. It's greater. And this is what Jesus is doing. And here's how you'll be kept. Here's how you'll be sanctified. You'll be sanctified through truth. There are lies. There's truth. And Jesus has provided for us in his words truth to bathe our minds, to cleanse our hearts, to to instruct our minds, to cleanse our hearts, to renew our steps, to keep us and to make us special, beautiful, sanctified. Isn't that amazing? Now, the last verse we'll look at is verse 19. And this is an amazing verse too. It's one that just sort of blows your minds. And for their sakes, their, I'm sorry. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Or another way to put that last phrase is that they that they might be truly sanctified. Either way, it works. Well, that's a strange statement, isn't it? We just said sanctified means special, instead of part. And holy. Was Jesus, did Jesus need to be sanctified? Further sanctified? No. Jesus was already infinitely perfect, beautiful, set apart, to be revered. Yet Jesus says, I am right now. Right now. By the way, this is. Um, you don't need to have a fatalistic view of theology or even a completed view of the theology. I mean, Jesus, of course, was already sanctified. He was already going to be going to heaven. But, but, friends, he also was in the moment. The moment mattered. And what he was doing in the moment mattered. So right then, as Jesus refused to answer uh, in kind by picking up a sword and slaying the guys that were coming after him, which would be a sinful, rash, angry act. When Jesus refused to do that, he was holding himself back for your sakes. When Jesus, um, you, you know, um, you can come up with a thousand things. When Jesus was tempted and he did not give into temptation, he was doing that for your sakes. I sanctify myself for their sakes, that they might be sanctified through the truth. And so another way, there's really two ways to understand this, this passage. Why was Jesus sanctifying himself? Why was he uh, pursuing holiness? Why was he walking in righteousness? Well, because he was righteous, but also because of this. That you might have a forerunner, a leader, an example. One to follow in his path. 
So you say, Lord, when I, this is what, this is what 1 Peter says, right? 1 Peter says that you're suffering right now, you're suffering unjustly. Well, let me point you to Jesus. He also went through the same thing. And you know what? When he was going through the same thing, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he, was, when, he was, when he suffered, he threatened not. You know what Jesus did? Jesus committed his soul to him that judges righteously. So, friend, are you suffering right now unjustly? Do you want to revile back? Do you want to threaten? Do you want to, you, you want to scrap? Do you want to fight? No, look at Jesus. For your sake, he suffered in the righteous way that you might know how to walk. And then the other way to look at this is this. Christ was sanctified so that you might be truly sanctified. In other words, Christ lived this life. He lived this life, a perfect life, so that you might have his perfect righteousness. Did it for your sakes. He, he came. He humiliated himself. He took on the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. He made himself of no reputation, all for this purpose that you might receive the benefit of his perfect righteousness imputed to you so that you would stand before God in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And that keeps you, doesn't it? That keeps you from the wrath of God. Outside of Christ's perfect sanctification, you don't have anything to expect but the wrath of God. But those who are trusting in Jesus Christ those who have been brought to throw themselves by faith upon the feet of the cross, those people are fully safe. And the people, here's what First John says, and if you have this hope in you, you will continue to purify yourself, even as he is pure. So this is how Jesus keeps us. He keeps us through joy. He keeps us through the Father's name. He keeps us through our unworldliness and recognizing that. He keeps us by preserving us from evil. He keeps us by truth. He keeps us by his own sanctifying life and and, and, and sin-paying death. Praise the Lord for John 17, verses 11 through 19.